Hello everyone, we're back with another episode of Ganbei. It's been a really long time since we've uh, done this just because we're so inconsistent with everything. But there's a lot of things happening in the background that y'all will find out soon enough. So yeah, this week we had um, Chrissy Yi um, as our guest and we actually had a... Uh, 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 what, what are you going to call yourself? Uh, a sit-in temp <laughs> co-host? A co-host for Gombe? Yeah. Yeah, Mizuho. Hi. Oh, can we put some, like, applause sound effects in here? For Gombe, the podcast where two people who may or may not be sober uh, talk to guests who also may or may not be sober about things that um, impact us. Uh, Mizuha has a uh, introduction within the episode itself, so we'll spare you that right now. But honestly, this episode was so much fun. Um, thanks for doing this one with me. Yeah, it was really fun to talk to Christy about everything from like mental health to kind of our relationships with food and like with our parents for sure yeah food is such a huge part of our cultures and mm -hmm. <laughs> i i love talking about food you can never get me <laughs> to stop talking about food uh white supremacy uh, against it not for it <laughs> and um alcohol and weed yeah those are the things that if anyone ever sees me on the street just like walk up to me and <laughs> bring up any of these subjects and we will be we will be great friends and chrissy uh chrissy is phenomenal she has her own podcast and um we'll hear more about it in the episode but overall um i'm really excited for folks to listen to this so yeah sit back enjoy and we'll see you in a bit Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to Ganbei, uh, the podcast where we talk about... Damn it. I thought I had a tagline, but we, <laughs> we don't really have one yet. Um, we talk about everything and anything with Asian professionals that are doing great things in the world. Uh, this is Carl, your host. And today we have a uh, two special guests, actually, one of them being our new uh, sit-in co-host, Um Zuho uh, is our temporary co-host right now. Linda is away. We love her. We miss her. But we love uh, meeting new people. Uh, hi. Hello. Um, so I'm Mizuho. Um, I was originally an international relations student. And I'm a digital marketing person uh, for a AI company. And I originally did marketing for Rise, And now I'm a temporary co-host for the time being. Yes, she is. Uh, she is. She's a. She's family friend to the podcast. Uh, <laughs> she. She has done so much for Rise, and and we appreciate you sitting in and being here. Thank you. All right. Um. So my drink of choice today is water because we are being healthy for once. What about you, Carl? Uh, I am also drinking water. Last night I kind of went hard a little bit i went to millennium karaoke in richmond and uh ingested a lot of things and uh, i am feeling the consequences today so yeah water for the both of us uh our special guest today is christy hi christy what are you drinking today hello everyone i am actually drinking two beverages so the first one is a Vita soy lemon tea drink from the OG juice box. I guess we yes, can't call please it a sponsor juice us. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm also drinking uh, sparkling water because I love me some bubbly water. That that juice box thing. I don't know if you've ever been to um, uh, uh, this uh, skewer place in Richmond. Um, oh yes, tasty. Right. So they do that, and then they put like a tiny yes. bottle of alcohol. Yeah. Yes. So good, and yes. it's so aesthetically pleasing. I know, right? It's, it's kind of expensive, but like, but like you know, you for the also know, You also know you could totally just do that at home. Just cut a bigger hole at the top. Buy your own little... <laughs> That's where, the kind of Asian I am. Where but would you get those tiny bottles? You know? Liquor store. Oh, hell. They, you they can buy the them tiny at, ones at liquor store? Yeah, they but right at the checkout, they'll sell all those sample sizes. 
the cheapest way of doing it is just to get a massive bottle and make multiple. Yes. Uh, but then you just don't get the go. aesthetic. Yeah, true, true. <laughs> so if you want uh, the cheap gram version, yeah, you yes. can still do it by yourself. Yes. Yes. All right. So party at my house next week. Yes. <laughs> That's all we're going to be doing. Rise party. Everyone's invited. No, please don't show up at my house. My my family would be like, what the fuck? I mean, you um, do have a pool, Carl, so. I, I do. <gasps> Whoa, that's an invite. For for all the listeners, I only have a pool because I live in a, like, but fuck nowhere where the middle of nowhere <laughs> that's why like property's bigger it's cheaper thank you very much uh so i'm not okay. rich by any means <laughs> <laughs> yeah but you know this this year we're supposed to have a colder and wetter summer i i don't know how to interpret that because last year that heat wave was fucking wild i genuinely thought i was gonna die it was so hot it like actually cro- so I'm a big summer person. I love mm-hmm. heat, hot weather, and it like did cross my threshold when it got to like yeah. 42 degrees, and I can't yeah. touch my car because everything's on fire. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's a reason why I don't go back to Asia in the summer, and like being here did not help during that heat wave. <laughs> right? I wanted to. Com- I really wanted to complain, but then I was like, think about all the people in Asia. Like, how, how are they even bearing with this? What yeah. I did. Oh, my former manager is going to be listening to this. I, <laughs> I I do a lot of stuff I'm not supposed to do at work. But last year, it got so bad. I just, like, hopped in my pool and, like, just, like, worked on my laptop on the side. Um, obviously, I came out for meetings and whatnot. But it was it was just so hard to to not be in the pool. Um, Carl, I, I was very fortunate. You're just painting this lifestyle that you're like, oh, I'm <laughs> yeah, just lounging like- by the pool. I work, <laughs> work yeah, from home my in my pool <laughs> with the little yeah, umbrella like in my glass. <laughs> First world uh, privileges. Yeah, like yes. I had to get out of my pool for a meeting. <laughs> <laughs> like, come on, people. <laughs> okay, I got paid very little, okay? <laughs> uh, yeah, so Christy, thank you so much for, for being here. Um, what I, I would introduce you, but I would not do you any justice. Uh, so please don't be humble and tell us about yourself and what you do and what we're here to talk about today. I love that. Don't be humble. <laughs> <laughs> so hi everyone, my name is Christy. I am a second gen Chinese Canadian born and raised in Vancouver. I love Backstreet Boys, spicy food and Sailor Moon. So I'm like just living in that 90s, early 2000 era. I haven't grown out of that yet. I work as a dietitian during the day and I'm also a mental health podcaster by night. Sorry, when you said Backstreet Boys, I just got flashbacks from last night. <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> I mean, like, how do you not sing Backstreet Boys when you're at karaoke? <laughs> what is your favorite go-to Backstreet Boys song? Um, I want it that way. Yeah. I mean, like, what, what? what's yours? It's a classic. That's probably top as well. Although, Quit Playing Games With My Heart has a very special place in my mm. heart. Because <laughs> we learned it in when I was in grade three. So now I'm dating myself. But (laughs) I remember in class, like every day, the last 20 minutes before it gets three o'clock, that's when, you know, we get out of school, we Mm. would have like, I guess it'd be like music class. But what our teacher actually did was play this song, Quit Playing Games With My Heart, on a cassette tape. And then we were given out (laughs) lyric sheets and then we just like followed the lyrics and we learned the song. And that's what we did every day before school ended. Back in our day when there were cassette tapes. Yeah, I was just going to say, like, I Want It That Way is probably the only song that I can name off the top of my head. Anything else, if I hear it, I'll probably know. But, right. yeah. What Then what's your go-to uh, karaoke song? For me? I don't know. Like, a lot of, like, songs from, like, 2010, 2009, I feel like that was the era of, like, music that my people like my age group my people really, like, knows like the <laughs> lyrics too oh uh, yes yes your people <laughs> she is significantly <laughs> younger than us christy uh but we live with that so so dietitian um also my voice uh, as you can probably tell is not there again because of last night and uh, we're just gonna bear with that I love it. Um, it's like the low radio voice, you know, the one that you hear at 12 o'clock at night, like 
This song is uh, requested by so and so listener. <laughs> Yo, I can I can probably get into the adult phone industry. Oh my god, <laughs> could be uh, lucrative. Get- <laughs> Yo, you know, with inflation, gas prices. Hello, uh, do people BC- still do that? Do you think? I, the people I who old- live in the nineties, older people who <laughs> are lonely. Or not lonely, who knows? You could be not lonely and call those folks. Uh, it could be a group not. call. Jail or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh Do you speak gosh. from experience, ma'am? <laughs> I'm just I'm just thinking about all the different possibilities, you know? Yes. Yeah. We, we do practice inclusivity here very actively. <laughs> um so dietitian, I I, I I don't okay, the only thing I know about dietitians is like I've been watching a lot of Chicago Med and then they're like that when the when the ER doctors are like, All right, I, I should discharge you in a bit, like a dietitian's gonna come down and talk to you about your intake or whatever. That's all I know about dietitians. Like they tell you what to eat. Um, I, I, I don't know if that is accurate, <laughs> disgustingly inaccurate, or like, you know, like you just tell people what to eat. Like, wh- what do you do? Okay. First of all, I don't know what Chicago med is. But- it's like Grace, the new Grace Anatomy. Okay. Okay. But I love that they actually, you know, even have the mentioning of dietitians because a lot of people don't know we exist or they get very confused as, as what we do. So Yo, hashtag dietitian recognition, you know. Yes, yes, dietitian appreciation, everybody. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so as a dietitian, we don't tell people what to eat. We're not like some, you know, person with some black black white lab coat that just struts around and be like, you need to eat this. <laughs> <laughs> I like to think dietitians are like glorified foodies. We love food so much that we wanted to study the science behind food, how nutrition works in our bodies, how can we get people to enjoy food more and love food and celebrate food. And that also includes things like celebrating, you know, your own cultural or ethnically appropriate foods. And how does that fit into a healthy eating lifestyle? Right. Because like when I think about it, I'm like, yeah, like to to be like I guess like quote unquote safe, it would automatically default to like white people food, right? Just because <laughs> like that's the most like accessible for most parts, and that's mm-hmm. what most places sell. And I'm so interested to hear how how you incorporate I guess like diversity of the food and um, all of that. Diversity is something that we are as a profession in Canada something we are working towards every single day. Because when you think of a dietitian, even if you go on Google and you Google a dietitian, you're generally going to see a white lady in that white lab coat that I mentioned, holding an apple and then holding a measuring tape on the other hand. Yes, that is exactly what I am seeing right now. (laughs) Did you actually Google it? Okay, but to be fair, the first image is a black lady. Oh, yay! Wow. And then the rest are all white ladies. <laughs> See, I'm, I'm saying we're, we're making slow progress, but progress is happening. One step at a time. <laughs> so yay to that. Um, <laughs> so that in of itself already is like, okay, not so, so inclusive. And then we think mm-hmm. about what we imagine healthy food is. So when I say the term healthy food, what, what do you think of? Veggies. Like whole foods. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Avocado. Cause that's a good kind of fat. Um, <laughs> chicken breast salmon no seasoning like just like a pinch of salt <laughs> like depressing sad boiled food oh my god hospital food i i love that you guys went like broad first but a lot of times we'll think of things like chicken breast broccoli mm-hmm. like brown rice mm-hmm. these like specific right. foods that we associate with the term healthy because that's what it's branded as and so we just kind of believe that okay that's healthy food what does that mean that means like all the other foods that doesn't belong in that picturesque healthy is what unhealthy like that's total bullshit right so Mm -hmm. a lot of that comes from yes whiteness but also just inaccurate media portrayals Mm -hmm. so how do i incorporate my asian identity or how do we broaden um what the term healthy means is exactly 
what you had said, whole foods. Like let's let's talk about whole ingredients, whole foods, and not about specific ethnic foods or specific mm-hmm. food in of itself. Not like oh, just chicken breast, you know, or like Mediterranean diet or whatever. But be more right. broad when we think about food, and that's just the food that we eat. There's also how we eat it. Do we cook it at home? Are we eating with our families? Do we like honor our cultures and our traditions? It was just Dragon Boat Festival, like very recently, and I'm I come from a Cantonese background, so that means we eat zhong, and that's like um like a sticky rice wrap <laughs> thing. Yes, wrapping that leaf, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And once upon a time, that would have been categorized as like a quote unquote unhealthy food by. Western standards, but that's total bullshit, right? Like it's gonna provide me lots of nutrients. It's part of my culture. I'm celebrating with my family. A lot of times we make zhong as a family together. Like that's also mm-hmm. cultivating lots of great food relationships, but also positive relationships with um, with your culture and with your community. I want to very yeah, sure. briefly touch on what you talked about, like um, it being centered around whiteness and um, Mizuho. I think Mizuho works out like a disc. Like I, I look at her and I'm like, <laughs> you're in great shape, but why do you hate yourself? You work out so much. Um, so I think this question is for both of you because mm-hmm. I have an understanding, like growing up, my understanding of healthy, you know, especially in, in, um, my family like my mom kind of like looks at this kind of stuff I don't think in the most accurate way the Mm -hmm. the standard for healthy according to my mom was BMI right but I had heard from somewhere that like the BMI is created for like a white person's body and like what is considered healthy for them do either of you have anything to say about that? i see you nodding your head okay I have a lot of things to say about (laughs) I also have a lot of things also (laughs) oh you go first um, so basically, especially when I first got into weightlifting, I realized as a person that's like five foot three and generally I tend to put on muscle really easily. Whenever I would do those like body scans or like tests, my BMI is either pretty much on the higher end of normal or considered like overweight, even though like judging from the fact that I work out six days a week or that I eat generally healthy every single day, I don't think that I'm overweight. Um, but like the general idea, I guess, in the fitness industry is that BMI is pretty outdated and it's more of like a general metric that you can kind of use in a broad scope, but it isn't necessarily something that indicates like whether or not you're healthy in that sense. So from the dietitian's perspective, the BMI is bullshit. I keep saying that word. (laughs) It is total BS because you're right. Um, it was created like based off of Caucasian males, first of all. Mm -hmm. Second of all, it was never meant to be a health metric. It was used as a stat to categorize people by population. So it was like created by a mathematician or a statistician. I think they use both titles. And they were not a healthcare professional. It was not meant to be used for healthcare. It was meant to just used for stats. To be Mm -hmm. like, in this population, this is what people weigh. And it doesn't mean, you know, a certain weight is healthy or unhealthy. And we are so conditioned to think that we can judge someone's health status based off of how much they weigh. Like it's so ingrained into us across all cultures, I think. And it's, it's very damaging. And that's something that we need to start unlearning as a society because weight is not indicative of what your health is. You could Mm -hmm. be however much you weigh, but you don't know what's going on on the inside. What really matters is your lifestyles and your habits and your, you know, cognitive thought processes and all of those things combined together. That's what's going to create health. Not like, Mm -hmm. oh, I'm going to see this person down the street and, you know, their body size is whatever. And automatically we just make certain assumptions. And so do I, because that's what we're taught. We just need now need mm-hmm. to start unlearning those things because it becomes very harmful. And I think also BMI and body weight is one of those things where it's like the easiest level of analysis that mm. a person can do. So that's right. what they kind of judge based on like their body weight. They're like, oh, like if I gain weight, then that means I'm unhealthy now and I have to like lose weight. And that's like the general, I think, idea that's in a lot of people's heads. And I definitely had that like starting weightlifting because obviously muscle is heavier than fat, but then I would gain weight and be like, oh no, like... I'm getting like bigger or like fatter. And then I realized over time that body weight isn't something that I should be 
tracking actively in that sense and I should be looking at other kind of factors as well Mm-hmm. Like our body is so complicated, right? Like why are we, yeah. wh- why why distill it to that number or to that certain size or, or whatever it is? And it's, when we become so obsessed with it, that in of itself is actually unhealthy for us, right? Like, mm-hmm. because then we, what do we end up doing? We end up internalizing that number to our own self-worth. Right. Like, you gain a bit of weight and you're like, oh shit, you know, now, now I'm ugly. Now I'm unworthy now i'm unlovable right now i got to do something to get rid of this extra weight otherwise mm-hmm. like i i'm gonna per- be perceived as less valuable in society like that's fucked up if you really think about it right like mm-hmm. but we do that we do that all the time and it really affects like folks disproportionately um like especially in emergency situations where they seek medical help right like a lot of the for, I, i've read a lot of studies but i'm no healthcare professional but i've read that like a lot of like doctors often just default to like how much you weigh like your weight is a problem that's called like i have like Mm -hmm. chest pains like oh that's because you don't exercise enough right like a lot of the times um folks and and specifically uh people of color are just completely dismissed of their concerns and like falsely what's the term um like misdiagnosed. Mis- mis- people get misdiagnosed, or, yeah. mistreated yeah. Um, mm-hmm. in 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 like the ER or whatnot, and you know it's literally killing people. This thought we have behind like you're big, so you like so of course your chest hurts or whatever, right? That is yeah. so mm-hmm. that is so not <laughs> not great. Yeah, yeah. and so, and then we now we talk we get into the, some territories of like health equity, right? Then you're not actually mm-hmm. getting the same level of healthcare service. A smaller body person is going to get a different level of healthcare service compared to a bigger body person potentially because of any weight bias or weight stigma that the doctor or whichever healthcare professional has on their mm-hmm. clients or patients. So they're going to treat them differently. They're going to run different tests. They're going to give different diagnoses potentially. And mm-hmm. that could lead to a lot of problems. I, sure. I really want to ask both of you about like your experiences with food um, in in an Asian household, because I don't know, every time I talk to like Asian folks, like there's so much like camaraderie, like, yeah, my mom calls me like fat and tells me to eat less but also like just like gives me more food and tell me i need to eat more like (laughs) all this mixed messaging (laughs) what do you want mom you can't win basically no it's a trap it's a trap (laughs) is that the same experience you both had um i guess i'll touch on that first um i would say yes both my parents are chefs so i grew up with a lot of like kind of just food like within my like house environment Um, but with that comes like a lot of carbs like my mom makes Japanese pastries so there's a ton of carbs at home and like rice obviously is like a huge essential part of our diet so Japanese food I think in general tends to lean towards a more well-balanced diet in this in the sense of nutrition but at the same time I would constantly be trying to like avoid eating rice or like avoid eating bread or things like that and it was definitely something that was subconsciously me making the decision to eat like quote-unquote healthily instead of thinking about um, the fact that I'm like kind of restricting myself from being able to enjoy food and kind of um, tying like my own self-value to like what I'm eating and how much I weigh and things like that for sure. When you said both your parents were chefs, I just like started drooling. (laughs) (laughs) And then then I just lost all train of thought. I'm just like, wow, imagine living in that household. So much delicious stuff. Spoiled in that aspect for sure. Um, growing up, I had a period when I was a f- bigger child and there would be a lot of attempts to help me lose weight. They weren't great because like, you know, they're, my parents were just trying their best, but it'd be funny because my dad would like boil a bunch of vegetables together and then he'll put like sausages in there as well. And like lots of potatoes and, um, none of those things are bad things, but it's just, he, he will like boil it sounds weird because I'm like it's all boiled together and it sounds boring and sad but it was like so delicious for me and and now when I think of like comfort food I'm like ooh, that that pot of deliciousness that's like my comfort food now because it's you know what I grew up with as a child but mm-hmm. the 
their intention was like, that was my quote unquote diet food. <laughs> um, so, but like, what did I grow up with uh, in terms of food and, and what, what was your original question, Carl? Um, uh, growing up in an Asian household relationship yeah. with food. Yeah. Your parents, I guess. Yeah. Um, I lived with my, so my parents were divorced when I was really young. So I only lived with my dad and he thankfully wasn't too picky about like my body size. Uh, I would say, I would say like things that he restricted would be, um, soda and candies and pop. He had a weird thing against things that were black or darker. So there would be like no chocolate or coke or but sprite hamburgers okay. yeah exactly but sprite will be okay vanilla ice cream will be okay i can have a mcchicken but i cannot have a big mac you know what i'm saying wow. like it's yeah is that, I, is that I, some I, racism <laughs> thing I, that your dad has to work through <laughs> no idea what that was but it wasn't until i became an adult that i'm like that was kind of weird part of my childhood (laughs) (laughs) so so i didn't grow up eating chocolate but i grew up with a lot of vanilla flavored things (laughs) so funny and like strawberry was okay too you know like that's acceptable yeah Mm -hmm. but my mom would be the person who's like my mom would be the person who would um be very picky about my weight and then what I would be eating so she would police a lot more and Mm -hmm. you know in hindsight especially now as a dietitian I could see how damaging that is to a child and but like Mm -hmm. I can't blame her because no fault of her she doesn't know any better right she was just trying to look out for her kid but um I would say I in some ways I'm glad that I didn't spend as much time with her because I think if I did I would have a way more traumatic right relationship with food yeah mm-hmm. yeah like just oh, yeah. like the beauty standards um In first Asia. of all having having a beauty standard is disgusting but like asian beauty standards is like you have to be like so like for women you have to be like so skinny and like like you're you have to be like really white and like yeah like it's, as petite and like tiny exactly. as possible basically yeah there's like so much like skin whitening like ads in asia um, mm-hmm. I mean, there's a reason Korea is like surgery central, right? Like, and 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 I don't think any of us are saying like don't 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 get plastic surgery. You, you look how you want to look, but I think there's so much expectation and like quote unquote perfection that we are raised mm-hmm. to 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 go after. And so much worse now with filtering. Oh my gosh. Like I can't imagine the kids growing up right now and like mm-hmm. looking at themselves in the mirror and how that that doesn't look the same as what they see when they do a selfie. You know, or yeah. It, yeah. like it's, and then they're gonna so ah! <laughs> I look at teenagers now and I'm like, how do you not all have pimples like all over the place? Like like they just like filter them out or whatever, or like they yeah. I've seen kids like freak the fuck out because like they have one pimple and i'm like you know people oh used to have that like everywhere like right? all over and sometimes like not even on your face like it's everywhere yeah. <laughs> that's just part of puberty but also like i don't know if you folks notice like kids are maturing so much faster like the way mm. they dress mm-hmm. like i'm like back in the 90s like <laughs> we we, we look we look nothing like this there's kids in like the eighth or ninth grade that look like they they dress the same way that i do at, at 22 which is to me that's right. crazy i would never yeah. dress like that in high school yeah it kind of makes me feel sad because it's like so much of their childhood is being taken away you know Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. and I feel like everyone should go through that awkward phase of like buying like Urban Planet type clothes, you know? <laughs> like that was that was an era, you know. I hated it looking mm-hmm. back, but it's funny. Like you have to go yeah, through these it, phases. Like it's part it's of yeah, right you know? of passage. You can't just go straight to like Aritzia. Like that's not that's not it. There needs to be like an in between. Also, how do you afford Aritzia at like eighth exactly. grade? <laughs> like, come on. 
how dare you not have an ugly face <laughs> yeah oh my gosh <laughs> yo we all need that trauma of being bullied because of how we no actually i shouldn't say that never bully someone else for how they look. <laughs> and also i think there's like plenty of bullying I don't think that has gone away. Like social that's just media. Taken, exactly. That's taken a yeah. different yeah. form. It might actually be yeah. way worse than what we had experienced because it's so available. It's just on their hands mm-hmm. all the fucking time. You know, whereas right. maybe yeah. well, our experiences that that maybe predominantly happened only during school time. Yeah. Right? But now exactly. it's 24-7 on your fucking phone. Yeah. Yeah, like I, I go to the park with my friends, like after school and whatnot. I didn't have time to scroll through Instagram and and watch people call me ugly. Uh, sorry, okay. I don't, I, I, I want to preface that like I recognize that we're saying like back in our day we weren't so sensitive. That is not at all what we mean. I'm just, yeah, it's taken on a very different form, and um, yeah. I think it's more like psychologically damaging right for sure like, and it's not even just people within your general circle it's people that you don't know that are like across the world and they're on on the other side of a screen so you don't actually know like what they look like or who they are yeah and i think with like my age group like i grew up with it a little bit later on where social media ca- kind of came into play a little bit in like more so in high school mm-hmm. so i thankfully like didn't deal with that in elementary school growing up and then i feel like it was less damaging because i got it as i got older and was a little bit more knowledgeable about different things but I feel bad for the kids that grew up with it from the get-go. Mm-hmm. For sure. Okay, I'm curious, um, Mizuho, mm-hmm. like, because you mentioned social media during high school. Like, was mm-hmm. everybody just on their phones all the time if you walked down the school hallway? Like, what what was that like? I don't think it's as bad as it is right now because I see high school kids now and they're constantly on their phone, even, like, elementary school as well. I think most of my friends and I got our phones, like, early high school, like, grade 8, grade 9. So generally, like, while we're at school, we're not really on our phones, but obviously when we're out and about, then like we're more so on our devices. Also because teachers would always crack down if you like have your phone on you. Mm, right. So I was I was at my friend's house and, you know, she has a, a if you see, if you see my like Facebook uh, profile photo, it's a, it's a little puppy. So that's my friend's dog. Right. And he's like nine months old right now. We went over. We're just hanging out, like sitting on the couch and, you know. So he threw up on the couch, right? It was all like liquidy and whatnot. So we're like, oh, he probably just drank too fast, right? So we put him on the hardwood floor. So if he needs to throw up again, like it would be on the floor. And he did a second time. Uh, Okay, buddy, like got it all out of your system. Throws up two more times. Um, But on the very last time, a black thing about this size, like I don't know how to describe this size. And came out. It was like, like half a finger. Like, right? Like, actually, he's not a very big dog. So, like, yeah, it was a full finger. Just like compared oh. to him, it was like, and I have huge fingers, folks. Um, <laughs> no, just because I'm tall, not for other purposes. Okay. I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> um, oh, God. So I, I look closer, and I was like, oh, it's all black. Like, you know, it's like a patch of grass or like dirt or something right like mm-hmm. i'm like oh did he eat his own poop that's why it's like long and black or whatnot <clears throat> i want both of you to take a wild guess oh god as to what it was yeah Ooh. can we ask questions yes is it was it slimy um yes was it like a human made object yes <laughs> oh um human made it, in two senses I'll, 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 does it come from a human there. body yes organically <laughs> from Partially. a human body <laughs> okay what Brie, i'm so confused now i have no idea all right it was a used tampon no no Oh my god, no. That's so gross. Because I, I know I know what fresh tampons look like, okay? But I I've And I've it was never... not. It, it wasn't fresh. It was That's it ain't fresh. And and I'm like, I, I've never seen a, a used tampon before. Right? So I was like, hmm, what is this? Oh my and then my friend walked up and she was like, oh my fucking God. And the thing is, like, my friend said that, like, she hadn't had her period in, 
like a month or so. So it's not hers. <laughs> <laughs> so she probably just like picked it up from a walk or something. Oh, Worst part God. is earlier that day, I let him kiss me on the mouth. <laughs> so you indirectly also kissed potentially a used, a used tampon. <laughs> who's, who's leaving out their used tampon out on the street that a dog have, can pick up? That's I disgusting. I have no fucking I, oh idea. I hate that so much. Yeah. Okay, I, Anyways. I just... <laughs> so, so welcome back, folks. Uh, we are... <laughs> that was our little intro uh, back from <laughs> back from our break. Uh, uh, oh Carl uh, story time. <laughs> You know, I've been telling that to everyone because <laughs> I'm like, Oh my god, I actually spat <laughs> one second. <laughs> I mean, it's a wild as hell story, right? And but also, see, I felt I felt like an innate like grossness, like, but I'm like, but I'm also like, is that like some very deep rooted misogyny in me? I'm like, ew, gross, like girl parts, mm. like period blood and whatnot. But like, my friends are also like. No, it's just fucking gross. Right? It is gross. So, Even as a girl, it's still gross. <laughs> like, it's not... <laughs> like, okay, it, period aside, if it was, like, yeah. a bloody tissue that the dog coughed up, it's still going to be gross. Right. But it's human... Like, if it's any fluid that you're not supposed to consume. like Or that's have not... <laughs> a dog lick your face after oh they ingested God. it. Yeah, exactly. Like, imagine um, if it was, like, a ga- like bloody soaked up gauze right and that could have came from anywhere and then the dog coughed that up same level of grossness same level of like biohazard well that affected my mental health for that day and and great segue speaking (laughs) speaking of mental health uh, Chrissy I have listened to your podcast oh my god that's perfect i listened to chrissy's podcast and the most recent episode was the movie was about the movie turning red (laughs) which is analogy for going uh young girls going through puberty and periods yay Yay! i made that connection (laughs) (laughs) we actually have a full episode on periods oh menstruation uh, yep Definitely an episode Carl wants to listen to. (laughs) Why does the word menstruation have the word men in it? I Okay, that was a question that we had and we Googled it. And now I don't remember the answer. Mm. But it had nothing to do with the gender. If you want the answer, go listen to Chrissy's podcast (laughs) titled Shit We Don't Tell Mom. And uh, look for the episode titled Menstruation. So other than menstruation and um, also menstruation because turning red. Like what else do you talk about on your podcast? Well, in the podcast, it's between myself and my other co-host, Angie. We talk a lot about how we cope with depression, anxiety, and Angie has bipolar. So we talk a lot about our own experiences, um, what happens in therapy, as well as, you know, just how we manage our day-to-day. But what we really the premise of shit we don't tell mom is to talk about things that we're uncomfortable with. So yes, things like periods and sex and sexuality, but also things about our own, our own personal mental health. Like there was a period in my life um, last year when I Not was. Period. <laughs> Sorry. I have the, the maturity of a third grader. <laughs> so um, when, what was this? 2021. Yeah. Uh, that was my most last recent year. <laughs> last year. What is time anymore? <laughs> <laughs> I had a at a place in my time when I was severely depressed and felt suicidal. I had mm-hmm. to take time off work because I'm like I can't I can't care for clients when I can't care for myself right now. Mm-hmm. So we would be very raw and real about it. So these are the types of experiences we would share on our podcast is not just our day to day, but also when shit hits the fan, when we are feeling really crappy, when we feel low, what do we do and how do we deal? Sometimes we have answers, sometimes we don't because these are just our own lived experiences. And then we also mm-hmm. bring on guests to share some of their own stories of 
difficult times, challenging times, their own mental health struggles, because we don't talk about these enough. And when we don't talk about them enough, then we end up having more struggles. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I, I love that. Anyone who knows me knows that like I'm very open about like my mental health struggles and whatnot. And people are like, ooh, like looking for sympathy or like attention or whatever. I'm like, no, I've never asked for help. I'm just like very upfront, like, hey, like depression hitting hard. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I don't have capacity today or whatever, right? Like, and I, I think, you know, the reason I personally do that is just because it needs to be normalized like most of us mm-hmm. probably struggle with some sort of like mental health issues or or whatever and nobody really talks about it but the more we normalize it the more it becomes regular the more people are willing to you know share when they're going through a hard time and not like bottle it all in right? totally like we treat physical health so differently i mean i think the movement has started there's momentum we're being you know, mm-hmm. a lot more opened about our mental health. I think COVID had really, I mean, COVID sucked, right? But I think one of the good things that came out of it was people really started to acknowledge how their mental health is actually very important. So say, for example, physical health, you know, you sprain your back, you have a headache, you have a migraine, you can easily talk about that at work. Mm-hmm. Like, how are you doing? Oh, actually, I had like a really shitty migraine yesterday, blah, blah, blah. Or like, oh, I pulled my back the other day or, you know, I'm, I'm talking about these like smaller things, but also some bigger issues too, right? Like I broke my leg. We're right. not going to talk about like, oh, um, I'm, I'm actually feeling really low energy and uh, all this news, you know, war going on, COVID, monkeypox is actually really harping on my mood and my feelings. Like that's, that's not as normalized of a conversation as oh yeah I had a migraine yesterday you know Mm -hmm. and that kind of ties into the whole like sick days uh versus like mental health days type of thing where um especially during COVID because everyone was either working hybrid or remotely that's where it came in where you should have the option to be able to like work from home if you're just having like a really bad day in terms of your mental health versus Mm -hmm. like physical health you can have a doctor's note or say oh yeah like I have the flu or whatever but um, a lot of people feel uncomfortable to say that they're just mentally not feeling well and they're not ready to be in the office for that Mm -hmm. day you know yeah I think if your employee is comfortable telling you that like they need a mental health like they're using a sick day for like mental health like not for physical health that like I already have so much respect for you because like that means you've made it like a very open environment for your employee to be like yo whatever right like I have had my previous manager god bless her soul like I think one day I was just like I I'm going to use a sick day, like mental, like I don't, I can't be on transit today. I think this was like um, around when like Asian folks are being attacked or whatever. I'm like, mm. you know, like, even though I'm, oh, by the way, I, I, uh, I, I went to renew my license yesterday. So legally I am not six, five, I am six, six. Um, <laughs> but I was like, I know I'm like a six foot six, like dude. And like, you know, the likelihood of me being attacked is not very high, but like, just like, you know, like the anxiety, right? Like I'm, I, I, I can't, so I can't go into work today. So like, I need a day off. And then she was just like, why don't you just work from home today? So like, you know, and, and to preface, she did say like, if you want to take the day off, fine. Um, but if the reason you're not coming in is because you're afraid of like, you know, like transit and that gives you anxiety and you're able to work from home, feel free to do that as well. Mm. Right. So I, I was very appreciative of that manager, just like having that, empathy and understanding instead of like just suck it up like nobody's gonna stab you um or whatever like just come into work right yeah i i also applaud like the the effort but i also want to say what if what if that anxiety has taken up so much energy that you're unable to actually perform work right like Mm -hmm. it's it's not just about the transit anymore. Like that is yeah. a big part of it, but it's the fact that there's all this Asian hate and discrimination that I feel unsafe. And that's actually hindering my own cognitive capacity because it's taking up so much space in my brain that I might not even be able to function properly, that maybe I can't work from home. You know, Definitely. And I think, like, also individuals who are experiencing those, like, because we're so not in tune with our mental health, like, as a society, and we don't recognize a lot of, a lot of that shit, 
um, like you can recognize I'm way too physically sick to work. Like I can't, like I have a fever, like I have a headache, like I'm going to faint, I need to lie down or whatever. But it's so hard for folks to recognize that, like in terms of mental health, right? I'm so anxious say like I'm not going to be productive. I'm not going to work today. Like you rarely ever hear that. So I think that's another reason why like things like your podcast is just so important because it's for folks to, again, normalize it and recognize it and be able to take care of themselves. Guys, remember... Like, your company doesn't care about you. At the end of the day, they just want to make money. It's like a business. It's for profit. Like, you're the only one that's looking after yourself. I'm just, like, smiling, like, applauding <laughs> in my heart. Because it, that's, like, what What am I supposed to uh, I feel like I'm just going to say the same thing as Carl. You're the only person who can advocate for yourself, right? Like, mm-hmm. you. we have no idea how long we're going to be on this earth for. There's so much pressure from society, from our jobs, from our families, from our friends, to always hustle, to always do more, to always produce more. And mm-hmm. it's so difficult to recognize where do you, where does that, where's the boundary, right? And so I find, at least from my own experience, because I am also someone who lives in this society, I feel the pressure as well. I just fucking burn out, right? Like I just go full speed and I just ignore everything. I ignore all the signs, right? And like not intuitive with my brain or my own body. And I just go full throttle. Then I burn the fuck out. And then that leads to my depressive state. And then I'll come out of that however long that takes. And then I'll feel behind. I'll be like, oh my gosh, I took time off work. People are going to think I'm a bad worker. I need to catch up. You know, I need to prove myself that I'm still worthy. I need to make sure my boss or my industry don't see me as somebody who's weak just because I have depression, right? So then what do I end up doing? I re-hustle some more. (laughs) And then I just repeat that cycle over and over again. And as I become more, you know, um, involved in the mental health advocacy space and working on myself, I start to notice at least a bit more of the signs. And this is just something I'm I'm working on myself. It could look different for everybody, right? But when we start to recognize that, oh, I might be heading towards burnout, like let's pay attention. What can I do today? What can I do this week? What can I do whatever to help lessen that pressure? Maybe it's like not give a fuck about a certain deadline or not try to be so perfect all the time about finishing up a project, like just let it go, you know, just do the 90% and, and be like, that's it. Look at the clock and be like, Oh my gosh, it's 11 o'clock PM. Maybe that's Mm -hmm. not so good. Maybe I shouldn't do that tomorrow. Like pay attention to that. And then also pay attention to your own physical feelings. Like what is your heart feeling? Like what is that, that might come out differently for me. It's like, I can feel it in my heart when my heart increases, when I have a lot of anxiety, like I'll wake up, feeling like it's difficult to breathe. And then, you know, old Christy would not even have recognized it, just power through, right? Like whatever. But now I'm like, oh shit. I'm noticing I've been waking up like every day now for the last week and it's difficult to breathe. I get very anxious. I feel like my stomach literally drops a few centimeters. Why Why do I feel this? What's going on? What's going on in my life? And what can I do? to like maybe remove one of these pieces or do something else, right? Maybe it's like, I need to actually just go outside for a walk. And I'm not saying, you know, this is going to be the cure for everything is go outside (laughs) for a walk. But noticing these things, start paying attention is basically saying putting your own mental health as more of a priority because we're not taught to do that. And so it's difficult Mm -hmm. for us to recognize the signs when we need to start paying more attention. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just thinking about, and it needs to be taught at, like, a younger age as well. Like, I'm thinking about high school. There's fucking physical education, right? (laughs) Like, if you really think about it, right? Like, I don't know what mental education would look like. Like, we just sit in a room and meditate. I don't know, but, like. (laughs) I think it should just be, like, health class. Like, have health class. We talk about physical health. We also talk about mental health. We talk about wellness. Mm -hmm. We talk about our emotions. We talk about identifying our emotions. We talk about relationships. We talk about how to communicate with people. Like, health class. You know? Wouldn't that be great? (laughs) Yeah, education system reform. Let's go. 
<laughs> yeah, we don't honestly, we don't need trigonometry. We can like cut some of that shit out. <laughs> uh, it's so true. I I can't remember anything I learned from high school. I know the hundred year war was a hundred and twelve years or something like that. Like that's all I know. <laughs> uh, I I I'm really curious. Um we're all Asian here. We all know how how Asian parents feel about mental health. Um <laughs> Sorry. What's not mental all of health? Them. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the consensus here amongst the three of us, at least. Um, yeah. What? What is? <laughs> why? Why is that? I can't speak for the entire Asian generation <laughs> before yeah. us, but I have theories, <laughs> and these theories are based off of my own parents and grandparents. I think they're so. When they grow up, they and, and during their prime years, they're so busy surviving. Yeah. My family is from China, so they're surviving like communism. And coming to Canada as new immigrants, they're trying to survive in a Western dominated country where they speak very little or no English at all. And they just want to be in a better place for their children to thrive. So they're not thinking about themselves, not really. They're thinking about us, the next generation. And so they're just trying to survive, trying to hustle, trying to save every diamonds and pen- diamonds, dimes and pennies, <laughs> not diamonds, at least not in my family. And there's no, there's no time or energy or capacity to be thinking about mental health and and really, there's also not that knowledge about what mental health is. So even though I'm sure they had a lot of traumatic experiences as well, there was a lot of wars like during our parents' generation. So I'm sure there's lots of trauma. It It's not something to be recognized and because they're busy surviving. And I think there's also a lot of shame in talking about it because it could, one... They don't want to talk about it because it's kind of like reliving that trauma. And so just avoid it, ignore it. That didn't happen. Or we don't want to talk about these negative things. And then two is like they're not even thinking about it because they're so busy thinking about how best to take care of our well-being and not their own. Our physical well-being. Yes. Right. (laughs) But also like financial well-being, right? Like being here, making sure we're financially prepared, making sure we are able to go to school, get Mm -hmm. a good education. And if not, like at least have a better opportunity than they may have had from wherever they had came from. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's definitely a commonality with um, like first gen immigrants from like different Asian countries. And, And I think it's the same with my parents as well. I think also from a lot of like more traditional Japanese upbringings, it's kind of a general consensus that you're supposed to just kind of deal with whatever that you're given. So it's like, let's say you're having a like bad mental health or you have anxiety or things like that. You're supposed to just deal with it on your own. Like there's no necessarily like a solution and something that you should brush off. And that was what I was taught growing up. So like crying or like showing emotions was always like frowned upon. It was just like, why would you do that? Because it could be seen as a weakness. So I definitely like had that mindset growing up. And then over time, I realized that it's okay to show your emotions and talk to, talk about these things like with your friends or with your family. And although I don't really talk about it as much like with my parents, obviously, um, I think over time they've like realized that it's very much a thing and that it's something that we can't just like ignore and leave kind of like on the side. Yeah, when I went to therapy, um, this was a few years back, um, I told my mom and then she's like, oh, why? And then I was like, oh, depression. (laughs) (laughs) And and have some vitamins. (laughs) (laughs) I'll make you some soup. Have some hot water. You're always drinking cold water. That's why. No, and then she's like, wear a jacket. She's like, why? And why are you depressed? And then I'm like, um, I don't know. I just am. She's like, you have nothing to be depressed about, right? Like we provide you yeah. with everything. Like you're not struggling in any way, shape or form. 
like what do you have to be depressed about and that's when I kind of realized and, and I don't know if this is an accurate assessment but it's just like how I'm looking at it is that our parents gave up everything um for us so I was everything my parents had but growing up here my parents are just like a part of my life I have so many other things going on outside because like what I wanted to say to my mom is like you're not everything like just because like we have no problems doesn't mean you know like just because you're not causing me depression doesn't mean like other stuff's not causing me depression to me like and I, I think especially for like kids growing up um you spend so much time at school you're you're doing so many other activities and whatnot family like kind of not that it's not important but it shrinks a little bit in terms of the real estate that it takes up in your life you have so many other things that are stimulating you at all times and for our parents like you know my, my parents are retired so like they're at home they don't have much they're just waiting for me to come home from school and like talk to me and like do, they do their own hobbies at home and whatnot but their their world is not as large anymore whereas we're just starting to explore right so i think that's another aspect of it where like they don't see the other part of us did that make sense i hope it did yes no it totally <laughs> did it totally did and i think because our worldview has broadened so much more we are also like part of that um knowledge gaining and part of that you know learning about the world at least right now in in the era that we live in and the generation that we live in we are a little bit more comfortable talking about mental health and because i think in the previous generations it not only was it uncomfortable, it just wasn't a topic. So it, there's like a lack of awareness that mental health exists, which I feel like a lot of times is why they feel like it doesn't. Because if you can't justify it, then it doesn't exist. So I think that's right. a little bit almost like what your mom was trying to understand. It's trying to justify why you would have depression. But right. sometimes it's not justifiable. There's so many different factors yeah. that go into it that you know you can't just be like oh i'm depressed because of xyz it could be mm -hmm. like somebody totally could have certain experiences or traumas or whatever that causes these things but sometimes you can't just pinpoint certain things it's like mm -hmm. an accumulation of all these things that's happening in your life right now some your parents may understand some they may not and i think it's difficult for them to relate and understand when something isn't justifiable especially when they come from an era where it's like about survival about practicality and then if, if it's right. something so abstract they're like like mental health they're like i don't i don't get it like what what do you mean <laughs> what do you mean you're anxious like there's food on the table like what what do you mean <laughs> and i think that's actually where um I get very mixed feelings about uh, social media, right? Mm. Because like, you know, like, like we talked about, and also like we talked about earlier, like the beauty standards, like the, the disgusting beauty standards um, is being spread through like social media, like ads and whatnot, right? But also at the same time, social media has made communicating with people so accessible. I don't have to like call their home phone or like, I don't know, page them or like send an email <laughs> or anything like that. I just pick up my phone and like, I'm like, hey, Siri, like, do this for me. Siri, please don't actually activate. Um, <laughs> it does it all the time. Um, but it's just like people are, it's so easier, it's so much easier for folks to share their stories, right? Their struggles, their anxiety. Like, I would go on, like, blog posts and whatnot and look at other people who post about depression. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm not the only person that feels this way, right? So it's so, it's so hard, but, like, it can be social media can be so good where like you know you find camaraderie and you share and like there's there's that like solidarity and like resources are so much easier to find um but also like social media is the cause of a lot of people's like anxiety depression eating disorders and all that right so yeah it's a mess i know it is such a mess like i almost kind of think of it like money there's so many good things about it and it's such a great resource but it's also there's so much evil as well 
Right. Like it has yeah. just such a angel devil personality to it. And I think at the end of the day, it's, it's up to us to really kind of, uh, but then I don't want to say like, oh, it's only the individuals that have responsibility, you know, like I think collectively we have responsibilities. I think systemically we have responsibilities, but also individually we get to choose how much social media affects us. But the key thing is to even recognize how social media affects us to begin with before we get to think about, okay, well, then now what do I do about it? You know, how much of it do I want it to be in my life or how much of it do I want it to affect me? If I'm scrolling through Instagram and I see all these like beautiful pictures of all my friends and like them on their holidays, like how much of that am I going to allow? How much of it am I going to allow it to affect me? Oh my God, am I saying that in the correct <laughs> sentence format? What are, words? What, <laughs> what, what are words anymore? <laughs> no, but but I, I, I totally agree with that. And I think it's just... At the end of the day, I think, like, everything ties back to capitalism, right? And just the fact that, like, you know, like, a lot of unhealthy things, like, you know, like, people feel like they have to, like, have, like, luxury this, luxury that. You have to look a certain way and whatever. It's all all capitalism coming down, right? Like, they need to make money. They need to profit. They don't care if, you know, people develop eating disorders after looking at these hot models like wearing certain clothes or whatever it makes some money right that's what a lot of it boils down to and it's uh this world currently is profit over people um i don't know you know the three of us were just three little cogs in this uh, (laughs) unwilling participants of this capitalistic (laughs) world but you know we are the cogs and we are stuck there so I think that's super important to recognize as well. And I think to an extent with social media especially is that you can also kind of select what aspect of social media that you can see. So let's say for me, like I struggled with a lot of like body dysmorphia, especially when I first started lifting and following these like fitness people that are maybe they have like a drastically different body type than mine that I would constantly be thinking and comparing myself. So at the end of the day, you have to kind of surround yourself with the things that you that will positively impact you rather than not. So unfollowing people that maybe you like compare yourself to and like feel bad about or just people who are who edit their photos a lot and things like that, where it's like if those things are going to actively negatively affect your mental health and maybe don't follow them or maybe not look at them as much on social media. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, I still treat social media as somewhere that I can catch up with like my friends lives and like see what's going on in their lives rather than comparing and letting that affect like myself mentally um in like my day-to-day well said (laughs) thank you um i wow this is gonna be a longer episode that was um our, 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 our time's coming up and i i didn't notice that this is longer than how we usually uh go but you know that just speaks to how much we love christy and how much we love having you here i just love chatting Uh, Two final things that we do every episode. One, if you were a, a question for you, if you were a drink, what would it be called? And what would the ingredients be? And it, the, the drink would be like a representation of your life up to this point. Up to this point. Okay. So I'm not a very creative person. <laughs> That's okay. But I like to combine like a bunch of my favorite things together and then also honor my Cantonese identity. So when you think about brunch, I think of mimosas and I think of like, yes. yeah, eggs, bennies and like patios. <laughs> okay. So when you think dim sum, we don't really think about brunch, but dim sum is totally a brunch thing. Brunch. Yes. Right? Uh, it is like <laughs> Cantonese brunch. So my drink is going to be called Cantonese brunch. And it's going to start with a base of jasmine and chrysanthemum tea. Because that's what I usually ooh, order ooh. at dim sum. It's going to have baijiu in it. And then it's going <laughs> to we're going to add sparkling wine and then top it with lychee soda. And because I love spicy food, I'm going to add a bit of fresh chilies on the top just to give it a bit of a something, something to cut the sweetness. All right. I know what we're drinking Down. by my pool when you visit. <laughs> that sounds so good. That sounds amazing. And 
final, final, final thing. Um, where can people find you if they found you tolerable or enjoyable and <laughs> you want to get more of you? People find me tolerable. They can find me um, on Instagram at Christy Yee underscore. So that's K-R-I-S-T-Y-Y-E-E underscore. They can also find our podcast, Shit We Don't Tell Mom, on Apple, Spotify, Google Pod, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Or you can hit us up at www.shitwedonttellmom.com. All right. So those are the places where you can find Chrissy. Um, please check her out. Unless that would be taking away from our listenership, then don't visit Chrissy. It's <laughs> not yeah, a rival, obviously. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's about abundance. We have to stop thinking about each other as like competition. Okay? <laughs> Healthy, Uplifting healthy each other. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That that is that is why I invited you here, just so I can shit on you. <laughs> um, but this was such a fun episode. Uh, thank you again, Chrissy, so much. Um, and thank you, Mizuho, for being our sit-in uh, co-host. And uh, yeah, we will see y'all very soon. Bye. 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 <laughs>